It is indeed a wonderful occasion when we are able to all be together in the same place. And it's great to see all of you here. There are probably some folks you haven't seen in a few months or so. So you have this opportunity and also a little later during the fellowship meal to, uh, to greet one another and spend some time with some old friends. Hope that you'll be able to do that. We do welcome you here today to this hour of worship. And we uh, say to our visitors, we're glad to have you here. There is a meal that follows this service, and you are invited to remain with us uh, today. We, we always have enough food, so please consider doing so. That's out in our Family Life Center uh, at the conclusion of our worship service today. Uh, several announcements to call to your attention. Uh, children, a reminder that the Sunday night programs will be continuing tonight. The choir from 5.30 to 6.15. Mission Kids and Bible Study from 6.15 until 7. All of you adults and teenagers and children too are invited and encouraged to attend our children's Christmas musical. Uh, it will be performed on Sunday, December the 5th, two weeks from today, at 10 a.m. out in our Family Life Center. This special performance by both our preschool and elementary school choirs will take place again at the 10 o'clock Sunday School Hour in hopes that everyone will be able to attend. Children's Christmas Party for the King will be on Sunday, December the 5th at 5.30 in the evenings. Please uh, stay tuned for uh, more details about this. Woody Melton is now in the uh, cottages recovering from a very severe heart attack, but doing quite well. Dan Sims is making progress as well. Um, little Rachel Hunter, uh, daughter of David and Joy Hunter, has spent the weekend at the hospital with an asthma attack, but is doing much better and should be coming home today. Please mark your calendars for the choir, Chancel Choir's Festival of Lessons and Carols, which will be on Sunday, December the 12th during the 11 a.m. worship hour it's part of our special Christmas uh, music experience. There'll be special music on the 19th as well. And the praise band will be in concert on Saturday the 18th. I hope you can be present for all of these. Finally, tonight at um, 7 o'clock here in our sanctuary, uh, we will be having our community Thanksgiving service. Hope I say this name right. Father Mike Schnatterly is our speaker of the evening. He is the uh, priest over at uh, Good Shepherd uh, Episcopal Church. And uh, all the other pastors are going to be in leadership of the service as well. We hope to have a big crowd of Greer folk here. And our choir will be singing. So let's see if we can come out and support them and be a part of worshiping God and giving God thanks on, um, on this special Sunday. I said this is at last, but it isn't. I just remembered. Isn't that a neat t-shirt? I understand that uh, uh, this came from, uh, is it Allison's class? Yes. Uh, helped design this. That's Merle State if you're having difficulty seeing from where you are. And these t-shirts um, are available for purchase out here. Even if you can't come back for the walk this afternoon, uh, the shirts are available. Um, Don Lewis, 
will be out there shortly in a little while um, and you can purchase one or actually make a donation of $20 for a Merle State uh, Hunger Walk t-shirt. So we, uh, we invite you to do that. And also, um, there's a Sunday school class that is delivering 80 boxes of food to the needy of the neighborhoods this afternoon. And we actually need more drivers and more uh, people to help deliver those. Please see Don Lewis uh, and others in that class if you can be of help to them to deliver some of these uh, special meals. At this time, I would like to call upon Lynn Clark for uh, recognition. I'd like to ask Ann Mayfield to please join me. <laughs> She's giving me that Mayfield look. And while she's coming, I want to thank Jessica Krim for asking me to per participate this morning in this recognition. <laughs> in November of 1990, Ann Mayfield agreed to fill in as interim organist for us for just a few weeks to help us through Advent and Christmas. She was not at all interested in a permanent position. To our credit and good fortune, she changed her mind, accepted the job, and today we recognize Anne's 20 years of service as organist of the The first time I met Anne that November, I took her a stack of music for our service of lessons and carols and told her we had three more rehearsals. Needless to say, she hit the ground running, and as I soon learned, that's the only speed she knows. <laughs> Those of us who have worked with Anne through the years have great respect and admiration for her talent, her skill, her standards, her work ethic, and her commitment and dedication. When we as a congregation enter this sanctuary for each and every service, we come knowing our worship experience will be enriched by the music. Much preparation goes into making that happen. There is the constant search for music worthy of traditional worship, countless trips to the church and hours of practice. Anne's integrity, her excellence of performance, her professionalism, her wonderful sense of humor, her love for the music, for the choir, and for this church make us all beneficiaries of her multitude of contributions to Memorial. Anne goes by many titles. Aunt Anne, 
to her nephews, Mrs. Mayfield to her piano students, Mayor Mayfield for her work with Neighborhood Crime Watch, <laughs> Mrs. Peabody for her reputation at Petnell Music Company, and dog lover, including the Georgia Bulldogs. One title I hope she keeps for many years to come is organist at Memorial United Methodist Church. Today we express to Anne our deep appreciation and gratitude for her 20 years of service, for the stellar quality of music she plays, for her friendship and her devotion to this church. And we are glad to have to share in this this morning Anne's husband Randy, her sister and brother-in-law Jane and Roger Bauer, and her nephews Austin and Adam. And at this time, our director of music, Jessica Krim, will make a gift presentation. Surprise, Anne. Oh. <laughs> Anne, on behalf of the music department here at Memorial Methodist, and as a symbol of our appreciation for your 20 years of hard work and dedication, we would like to present you with these angels. And may you always think of us at Memorial when you see them. blown me away. Um, Lynn Clark, I just talked to you last week. You're supposed to be at the beach. This is far from the beach. Oh. My short stay, as I intended and Lynn said, of 12 weeks at coming in as a substitute organist, unbeknownst to me, turned into this length of time, which has absolutely flown by. Um, there are many positive factors in this. Um, first of all, you as a congregation, church family, who have shown such love over the years, cares and concerns and support for not only me, but my family, my entire family as well. Randy Mayfield has, is a big factor. He has the patience of Job with me. I'm constantly having to rearrange our lives for practice times and rehearsals and <coughs> services of every kind. Uh, I've been blessed with staff members, past and present, who have always been willing to work with me. And Arthur, where are you? I know you must feel at times like, here comes Anne with another question. <laughs> but I have to have my bases covered before I can play for anything. Uh, to Lynn, your friendship is invaluable. 
and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your mentoring, your assistance over the years, week after week, year after year. It made my life so much simpler. Jessica has bounced into her new position, gung-ho. I appreciate her willingness to work and learn and work we have, hours and hours, in the sanctuary and the choir. To the choir, your dedication is solid as a rock. You give so much of your time and your talents. And I think with all these factors put into place that we have become meshed together a strong team to further the music ministry here at Memorial. I thank you so much. I am so shocked. Where is the guest organist that's going to play for the service this morning? <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Randy, would you please ask the deacons at First Baptist of, of Taylor's if we might extend this interim period for another 20 years. I'd appreciate that very much. Um, and I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I suggested that we give you a, a bronze bat, uh, the kind of bat that flies, that kind of bat, because one of my great memories of Anne here is on Christmas Eve with her trying to play that organ while looking up, seeing where that bat was going to fly to next all around here. That was a, a memorable service. We are told to look up, our Lord comes, and we all looked up that night huh, for, for what was going to happen next. We celebrate the goodness of God as he blesses us through our brothers and sisters in some wonderful ways, and, and we do thank you very much. Let us now begin our worship time together.
let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed on page 881 of your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in the conscious power, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and stood at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated. I'd like to invite the children to come forward to join me for a few moments of sharing. Let me first say a word of thanks to Bill Clute, who's in the back, who has been leading us this fall with our, well, leading us all year with the finance uh, committee, but especially this fall with our stewardship program. And um, it's been a very meaningful month, and I wanted him to be able to relax, so I will tell him, I've got the commitment cards if you're looking for them. They're up here. <clears throat> I've got some confessions to make to y'all about what I was like when I was about your age. And you may not believe this, but it's, I promise you every word I'm going to tell you is the truth. The first thing I want you to know is I did not like going to church. Can you believe that? I didn't. Getting up and going to church on Sunday morning meant that I had to turn my black and white TV set that got two channels. I had to turn that off. And I had to miss Heckle and Jekyll and the Little Rascals and the Three Stooges. I really didn't like having to cut the TV off and get dressed and go to church. But my mother reasoned with me one day in a very calm way, and she said, Arthur, do you realize how good God is to you? He has given you the sunshine and the fresh air in this beautiful land that we live in in our house. And you can play all Sunday afternoon. Don't you think you ought to go to church for two hours so God will know that you're thankful that he's blessed you so much? I thought about that. And I thought, you know, Mama's right. I have so many wonderful things in my life and so many wonderful friends to play with. I can go to church and Sunday school for two hours on Sunday morning to let God know I appreciate his love for me. And that's why I started going to church. I still didn't always like going, but I had a real good reason for going now. And that was I wanted God to know that I recognized how good and loving he was being to me. And then when I got a little bit older, I started getting an allowance. You know, an allowance is money that you get for doing nothing. 
and that's pretty much what I got. Sometimes you, sometimes you get paid for doing chores. I think that's a good thing, too. <clears throat> but I, I think back in those days, I got 50 cents. And that was a lot back then. Sometimes you could get two for a penny bubble gum. So that was like 100 pieces of bubble gum to rot my teeth. And uh, Mama said to me when I started getting allowance, you know, you ought to give a tenth of that to the church. Take a nickel with you to Sunday school. Well, now, in the first place, I wasn't sure I wanted to go to Sunday school. And now I got to take some of my money and put it in the offering plate. Again, my mama said, but Arthur, isn't that a way you could tell God that you're thankful for all the things he's given you? You don't have to worry about food to eat and a place to sleep and a roof over your head. You've got all the clothes that you want and more toys than a little boy your age should ever have. Don't you think you ought to tell God thanks by putting a tenth of your allowance in the offering plate? And again, my mama had me beaten. She was right. And I had a reason to start giving to my church to say thank you, God. And I still do that. When I give on Sunday morning from what I am paid in salary, I do that because I am so thankful to God for his many blessings to me. So I still come to church not just because I'm your preacher and I have to, but because I like being here where God knows that I'm thankful. And this is my way of helping other people to express God thank, God's, uh, our thanks. And I still like putting things in the offering plate money because it is a way of saying to God, I recognize you've given me everything and I am so thankful. Here's a little bit back. Use it to help my church and other people. And it makes it so meaningful. Well, I hope you'll think about that and think about ways of expressing your love to God through church attendance and through your giving. And there are other ways too. You can volunteer to help in some other ways as well. I'd like to close with a prayer. And if you'd like to, you can pray along with me. Dear God, thank you for all your gifts. We give to you our time. When we come to church to say thanks for your gifts. And we give our money to say thanks. Amen. Our responsive reading is uh, Psalm 100, the uh, King James Version, which is on page 74 in your hymnal. I invite you to stand, if you're able, as we share this passage of Scripture together responsively. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. 
Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be for the Lord is good.
before our morning prayer, I just simply want to take a moment to thank George Strait for being our preacher of the day. I won't have an opportunity later to introduce him, and of course, introducing him to you all is a little bit uh, redundant. Uh, but what a joy it has been during these six and a half years to be your pastor and to be in ministry with George, as we've had so many occasions to be together and and um, and to share responsibilities. And uh, I was so pleased this year when the finance committee asked me for some suggestions about the preacher of the day. And I had several, but this was the top of the list right here, George. So um, uh, I know you're excited about that too. George was our pastor here back in the 70s. I didn't think you were born back in the 70s. You, okay. But anyway, uh, thank you for all that you do for me. And thank you for what you're going to be doing for us today. We appreciate you so very much. Let us now worship God by joining our hearts together in prayer. Lord, it is wonderful to have a Thanksgiving Sunday calling us to do what we should do every day and certainly every Sunday, and that is to draw before your presence with thanksgiving in our heart because you have indeed blessed us so very deeply and so richly and in so many ways. Lord, you've given us life, and you have given us life on earth at this special time in the story of human existence. We have such marvelous inventions to, to give us comforts and to inspire our lives and to give us hope that together we might reach out into our brothers and sisters all around the world so that they might have enough and to share in the goodness of this planet. And so we come with thanksgiving and we come to first acknowledge that we don't always thank you as we should. We're quick to grumble and complain and slow to look up and give you our thanks. Even in these times that we call bad economic times, we are so blessed, we are so rich, and we're thankful. But most of all, Lord, we are thankful for the rich heritage of faith that is ours. For we are descendants of Moses who met you at the burning bush and who received from you the Ten Commandments to guide humanity. We see you through the eyes of Moses. We are the descendants of the great prophets who preached words of justice and mercy calling us to be fair with our brothers and sisters, warning us of the dangers that will come our way through selfishness and turning away from you. We are those who have inherited the faith of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We are those who have been saved by his work for us, your sending of Jesus to earth to embrace all of us lost sheep, to take upon himself our sin, that we might take upon ourselves the righteousness of Christ. For these great blessings, we give you thanks. 
And out of a profound sense of gratitude, oh God, we come to worship you this day. And we come to make some commitments for the coming year. That through our worship and through our giving, we might express to you the love and thanksgiving in our hearts. We pray your blessings upon us as we do these things. And Lord, we are thankful this day that your care and concern extends beyond this place to the homeless, to the lost, to those who are sick and grieving in our community. Embrace them right now, O oh Lord, and use us to embrace our brothers and sisters as well. We pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
please be seated. I am most appreciative today for the opportunity to be able to deliver the sermon. I thank the Stewardship Committee and Bill Clute and Arthur for this uh, invitation. Uh, I couldn't help but think when Arthur was doing the children's sermon, something about my own background, maybe it brought that up in yours, about going to church. And I remember always fixing my envelope and, and having the money in it every week when I went. And I was reminded as I sat here of the, the man who was waiting for the offering plate. The ushers were getting closer and closer, and he was trying to find his envelope, and he couldn't find it. And he looked in his pocket, and he looked in his shirt pocket, and his coat pocket, and he was feeling all over. And the child who was sitting next to him was quite anxious what was happening with the man. As he got close, the ushers got close to their row and were passing the offering plate down. The little girl said, here, you take mine, and I'll hide under the seat. I, uh, I would be amiss if I did not tell you how very much I enjoyed my 10 years here at Memorial Church. I enjoyed the music every week, the organ and the choir, and, and what a blessing they are to our worship service here. Uh, I, I love you, the people, and I'm grateful for all that you did and all that you now are doing, and what a thrill it is to be able to share with you this day. Our gospel lesson comes to us from the 12th chapter of Mark, beginning with the 38th verse. Hear God's word. And as he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplace, and to have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses for the sake of appearance, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which were worth a penny. And then he called his disciples and he said to them, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than those who are contributing to the, to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had, all she had to live on. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know whether you've ever heard of Marjorie Jackson or not. She was a later lady, a widow of a, a man uh, in Indiana who made a lot of money in, in grocery store, had a large chain of grocery stores. Her neighbors went to check on Marjorie, and they had not seen her in a few days, and when they, they had, things looked like something needed to be done, and so they called the police, and the police came to check on Ms. Jackson. And when they got there, they had to cut three large padlocks on the gate to get in. 
When they got inside, they found Ms. Jackson had died, and she was there on the floor in the kitchen. As they did their search through the house, the police found an interesting thing. They found $5 million in the house. The money had been stuffed all over the place in trash cans and drawers and toolboxes. She even put some in vacuum cleaner bags. Now, I ask you a question. Did Ms. Jackson have money, or did the money have Ms. Jackson? Was Marjorie Jackson rich, or was she really poor? Was the widow in our scripture? Was she rich, or was she poor? I suggest that the story in the gospel tells us something, and it came to the attention, and it got the attention of the disciples. And when I read it, even today, it grabs my attention. Someone said that this is religion in a, in a plain wrapper. It sort of cuts it down to where it is, about what you and I really think is important. This unnamed widow makes no pretense about her religion. She just contributed to the temple offering there with a reckless abandon. You don't just give away your last two coins, do you? And no matter how small they are, uh, this is something you and I were taught. I was taught that long ago. When my mother and father, who came from Mississippi, would return there, they would take my sister and myself with them. We'd get in our old car and go the 150 miles up the road. Now, some of you who are younger won't understand this, but it was a real trip when you went 150 miles in an old car. And my, you're smiling because you know, don't you? Uh, my dad had to spare everything. Uh, he, he, it was a real planning experience when we went off on the trip for Thanksgiving and Christmas. He had a a spare tire that he checked to be certain there was air in it and everything was right. We had extra water, two or three gallons, in case the radiator boiled over. We had wrenches and two jacks and tools and tire tools and patches, and, and we had matches and, and, and even some extra money in case there was an emergency. Now, I guess I'm like that because I thought about it. I've got a flashlight in the back of the car. I've got a, a 16, 18-foot jumper cables. I've got wrenches and things. Uh, and, and, and I've got a little bit tucked back in case I have an emergency. But you see, in today's world, we don't understand that as much because we have ATM machines. You don't have to worry about having money for the trip. In those days, when the bank was closed on Friday, it was all over. You, you couldn't get any money until Monday. But today, we don't have that worry. We don't have to worry. Uh, we just call AAA. You just call somebody to come and help you and get you. The message, though, was clear to me early in my life is that you don't give away all of your money. I read something that made a, an impression on me. He was talking about the fact that, that life uh, really has two instincts. One instinct is to get, and the other instinct is to give. And this writer was pointing out that neither one is bad by itself, the, the getting or the giving. The important thing, he said, was which one, the getting or the giving, is in charge of your life. Now, 
I don't know, but I think a good question this morning as we come to a stewardship kind of day is to ask, how will you, how will I be remembered when we're gone? Will our life be remembered as one who was intent on getting all we could, to getting all of the prizes, to get all into the things? Or will our lives be remembered as one who was on focused on giving. Let's look for a moment, if you will, about this woman, this widow, who gave recklessly. In our scripture, the first thing that I see is that appearances won't last. You and I know that. Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. We live in a day of showboat religion. You can turn on a television station and, and watch some of the stuff that's on there, uh, it, it is really fancy, isn't it? It looks like that's where it is, and to be in a, in a church like this is not where it is. You need to have a huge auditorium with thousands of people. That's where it is, people say. I, I've heard folks say, well, our little church is not much. We, we're just a little church. We, the, the real churches, the real religions going on at the big churches our society seems to think that a, a big business, a large business, is better than a small business. That you take two profitable small businesses and you put them together, you merge them, and they'll be twice as successful. It's not true. But that's what we think. Our society has, has gone on and we, we judge people. We judge preachers. We judge our, our business people by the size of the car they, they drive. By the the size of the house in which they live, the kind of neighborhood in which their house is located. Now, the danger of judging by appearances is that things are not always as they seem. I can remember many times that, that people who looked like they were doing well were really not. They had overborrowed at the bank, and they were about to foreclose on their house. But it looked nice from the road. The scribes appeared to be religious. They walked around in their robes, and people who thought of them would think they're the ones who, who really have it all together. They have the positions of power and prestige. But if you listen to Jesus, he said about these people, these scribes, that they say long prayers. They desire the best seats. One translation of this passage said that they, they sit at the head table of all of the church functions. I like that. I remember a lady in one of my former churches who had a particular seat that she had to sit in. And if she couldn't sit in that seat, she didn't want to come. Miss Annie was her name. And she would come to a wedding, for example, one hour ahead of time. She got there before the groomsman got there. And she'd be in there and I'd say, I'd say, Miss Annie, it doesn't start, follow. She said, yeah, but I wanted to be here and get my seat. <laughs> Do you know that we had to tear that church down and build another one before we got her out of that seat? <laughs> but it was important to her. It, was, it had nothing to do with hearing. It had to do with that was her seat and she claimed it. And the prayers of the scribes and the Pharisees are well known. You know that, that the prayers were said that people might notice how pious, how wonderful they were. Now it's easy for me, and it's easy for you, I suspect, to be hard and come down on these scribes, the Pharisees. Do people get what they see when they look at us, though? 
Do you walk like you talk? Do I? I, I, I pray every Sunday with you. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And I ask myself sometimes, do I really mean that? Am I really a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? Am I really praying that his will might be done in my life and in this church, in this community, in this world? Or do I just give the appearance of being a faithful disciple? What about my giving? Am I a sacrificial giver? Or do I just give so that people won't be bothered by my not giving? There was a man in the men's Bible class in one of our small churches that I served years ago. He liked everybody to think that he was generous, but one day when the treasurer had enough, he said he doesn't give anything to the church. He just likes to give to the special things. And I can remember that, that he would get up and say things like, I've been thinking about all of those poor children at Epworth Children's Home. And I, I want, I, that's on my heart. And I'll match whatever our Sunday school class gives. And, and I'll, we'll give it to Epworth. And he did that again and again and again. And there was one guy in there, uh, he was not very uh, pleased with this. In fact, it aggravated him to no end. And one day, the man came in and he said, I understand that we need a, a new stove in the, in the kitchen at the church. And I'll give half of that price if uh, the rest of you will get up the, the money. And this guy who'd had enough of it, he stood up. There was silence in the class, you know, because we don't like to part with our money sometimes. And this man who had enough stood up and he said, Luke, look like you and me just bought a stove. But appearances one day will catch up with us. There's a day of reckoning when the God who knows all will judge us by what we've done and what we've appeared to do. The second thing that I see in the scripture that's important for me is that the widow's offering was a real sacrificial gift. Uh, not merely was it she just given two copper coins. Uh, that's what somebody said. Well, well, what's the big deal? It wasn't but about a penny or so. Jesus thought it was a big deal. Truly, this widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, Jesus said, but she out of a poverty has put in everything she had to live on. And I believe that, that this is important for us to see. Jesus was there at the temple gate. He was there uh, as a, people came by. There were 13 different offering boxes. They were shaped like trumpets. If you think about a trumpet with the, with the narrow end at the top and the, and the big base at the bottom, and it was, someone said, one of the uh, writers and said that, that it was faced like, space like this so that people couldn't get the money out, that you couldn't come along and get it out. People have, have done that. People have taken from, from the poor box at the back of the church that's open, but with that small opening, and when you put your money in, it would drop to the bottom and would hit, and this, these two copper coins caught the attention of Jesus. Now, I, I would say to you that that's uh, not a very big gift in terms of money, but, but it is a big gift in the fact that she gave all that she had. This is a lesson for us today 
about sacrificial giving. It reminds me that it's not the size of the gift. It's not the, it's not, that's not the issue, but it's the cost of that gift to us, to the giver. And the question I must ask myself, and I think you must ask yourself, is does what I give to the church, is that really reflect any sacrificial giving? I, I feel sadness that so many of our Methodist churches have not taught tithing. We've acted like that's a bad name, bad word, don't need to talk about it. Nobody needs to know my giving just between me and God, and that's true. But it's important for us not to lull ourselves into sleeping that, that we can just get by with, with a couple of copper coins. The discipline of the Methodist Church says that the minimum standard of giving, goal of giving, is the tithes. And, and I, I know that, that that's not happening. When I read some of the, the people who do research in this, that you, you know what the average, the percentage that the average Methodist gives in our country? It's less than 2% of their income. Now I suggest to you that that may be all some people think they can afford. But there's something wrong there's something wrong when I spend more money on cable television than I give to the church. There's something wrong. And you and I must look at this and we give, uh, I, I think we've got to give so that it's a joy. That we give uh, not because we have to, not because it's expected, but we give because God has been so good to us. I, one day in one of my first churches, I got there early. I had three churches on this charge at that time. I got there early. And I noticed that the people were standing there in the North X, in the vestibule out there, looking at a sheet of paper. I'd, I'd never seen that before. Everybody was looking. And I looked. And the treasurer had put everybody's name on that list who gave to the church. He started with the one that gave the most, and I think he was the one. <laughs> and then it went down all the way to, to $2. The person who given $2. Now, I happen to know, and, and, and this wasn't just, just wasn't a collective thing. This had everybody's name. And I happened to think and know as I looked at that list that, that this person who gave $2 was a widow. And I knew something of her circumstances, and I would suggest to you today that the likelihood is that that woman, that widow who gave $2, gave more than those people who gave up to the hundred. And I suggest that, that this is not something I ever wanted to do. And I promised myself and I promised God at that time I'd never use that as a method to get money for the church, and I haven't. But real giving has a recklessness about it. When I was dating my first wife, Sue, as many of you know, knew, uh, I didn't care about the cost. When I saw something that I thought I wanted to get for her, I got it. Uh, it was unpredictable. It was reckless. I look back at some of the purchases I made. I did the same thing when I dated Harriet, my present wife, and when uh, if you looked at some of the stupid things I did, <laughs> you probably would say crazy. 
And they might be. In love, certainly. But when a person is in love, we do foolish things. And this woman gave recklessly. The widow could have said, well, I only have these two coins. I look at all these other people, and I'm going to need both of these. And I'm not going to be able to do any real good with two copper coins. And so I'm, I'm going to keep both of them. But she didn't do that. She could have said, well, I've only got two coins. I'll just give one. And you know, that's 50%. Nobody else is probably doing that, but she didn't. And to quote Jesus, she gave everything that she had. I find this woman's generosity a source of inspiration. When I read the scripture, I realize that this woman without truth, without a name, gave with this very small gift. She's still being held up as an example of generosity here almost 2,000 years later. You and I might not think that our material gifts that we give are very important in the life of the church or the kingdom of God. But I suggest to you that the most important thing is what God is able to do with your gifts and mine as we give to the work of his church. And the question is, do you, do I give sacrificially? The third thing that I would hold up this morning is that there is a, a might of love. There's a joyous living that comes when you and I are part of God's kingdom. I believe that the significance of her gift for us this day is important because it illustrates to us something about the way that we can make this a better world. In one of my earlier churches, there was a, a family that had to sell their business. And this couple were active in the church. And the man told me, we're going to have to sell our business, and, and we have an offer on it, and it looks like it'll be done in the next little while. And when it comes, when it comes through, when the deal comes through, I, I want to give a significant gift to the church. And I said, thank you. He said, I'd like to talk with you sometimes about some of the things that our church could do with some money. And we talked about a lot of things. We could put it on a van. We could put it uh, on, on this part. We could put some pew cushions in. We could get another organ. We could do all of those kind of things that people talk about when you're talking about money. When the time came, the man called me and he said, I got the check today and I'd like you to come down to the house. And I, I said, all right. He said, don't stay long now. Come in. He said, don't tarry, because I don't want to change my mind. <laughs> so I went down there, and I picked up this check with almost $10,000, which was a pile of money all those years ago. And I sat there with the family, and he said, you know, we've, we've always tithed, and, and God's blessed us in a wonderful way, and we want this to do. Now, there are two things I want you to do. One is, you can't tell anybody. It, this has to be an anonymous gift, and, and I, I, I don't, didn't tell anybody. And he said, secondly, I want the trustees to set up a, a scholarship. I think that's what I'd like to do, set up a scholarship so that, that young people in our community can, can go to school and get an education and I did that. And through the years, I've checked 
And I've been amazed at the large number of students who've been blessed by that $10,000, who've been able to go to school, who've been able to go to college and get an education because this man and his wife and his family cared and they tithe. All of us have heard about Mother Teresa at some point in our lives. Mother Teresa went to India in 1929. She went there to teach and she taught for a while and she became the headmistress of a school there. But in 1948, she decided that she wanted to go to India, to Calcutta, and to work with the poor, the very poor. So she took training in nursing and she went. And her prayer went like this, oh God, if I cannot help these people in their poverty and their suffering, let me at least die with them, close to them, so that I can show them your love. When Mother Teresa died almost 50 years later, 1997, there were uh, a large number of the missionaries of charity, it had grown. There were now 4,000 sisters and brothers. There were 755 homes and 1,369 medical clinics. And they served 120,000 people worldwide. Suppose your life and mine were to be measured by the acts of love the gifts that we've given to make this a better world, would we be called a rich person or a poor person? I ask myself today, am I a giving person or am I a getting person? Hal Brady, a minister at St. Luke Church in Columbus, Georgia, has told of a, of a Bishop McCabe who was trying to raise a million dollars for missions he received a lot of mail, and one day he got a, a number of discouraging letters, but he also got a very positive one. Brady said that he got a letter from a little boy, and out uh, when that letter was open, out fell a nickel. And in the letter, a little boy had written, I'm so glad you're going to get a million dollars for missions. I'm going to help you get it too. Here is a nickel toward it. It's all that I've got, but if you need some more, call on me. I believe God can use all of us. He can use us to bring about his kingdom at Memorial Church. He can bring us to bring about his kingdom in this community and the world. And I believe that some of us have been at this task for many years, and some have just recently joined the task. But this morning, I invite you, I encourage you to join me as we make our estimate of giving. This widow gave her two coins. Mother Teresa responded by going to Calcutta and, and dying there among poor and, 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 and wonderful people who just needed someone to care. The little boy in our, our, our scripture about the, the feeding of the thousand had no idea that his lunch of five barley loaves and, and two fish would, would feed them, but that's what happened. This, this communion rail, this altar, is a very special place to me. I was brought to it, not this one, but to one like it, 
when I joined the church years ago. I, I came to an altar such as this when I united with my first wife at an altar like this. We brought our children, the three of them, to the, to the front to the, and had them baptized in our Christian faith. We were there when they were confirmed as members of, of the Church of God. We were there when they married at the altar. One day I will be brought to this church as you will perhaps when you leave this earth. I suggest to you that this is a place where we do serious business. I invite you, when Arthur says, to come and place your estimated giving at this place and let this be a high and holy place. May God bless us and use us when what we pledge here that it might bring about his kingdom, the good news will be shared not only here but throughout the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to share with you the process we're going to use from this point. In a few moments, the ushers will come and receive from me the uh, estimate of giving cards to pass out to you. And I want you to notice that there are two opportunities on each one uh, for you to make some decisions about. One is giving to the everyday ministry of the church, what we call the budget. And the other is we're still working on this remodeling work we did three or four years ago, and we need you to continue to support that. And perhaps some of you need to make uh, commitment to that giving as well. I want to say to you that, as George has said, uh, this is a private moment between you and God. Uh, I don't see what you give. As far as I know, only one person in this church sees what you give, or, or rather what you pledge, and that's because our financial secretary has to see in order to do some work in the computer. Um, but other than that, this is between you and God. I do invite you in a few moments when you have uh, completed your card to come here and kneel for a moment of commitment as you place your uh, commitment card here at the altar rail. I then invite you to, to make your way over to the Family Life Center for our Thanksgiving meal. We're not going to close the service today with a hymn, although there will be some music to inspire us as we... Uh, as we come to make our, our, our pledge, rather. Again, I want to say to you that visitors will be welcome to join us for the meal over in the uh, Family Life Center. And before I have the ushers come, let's have a, we, we always forget to bless the food. And then they wait on me over there to get there to say the blessing. So let's do that now. Lord, thank you for your many blessings to us not the least of which this day is the opportunity to commune together over a delicious meal, to renew friendships, to remember that we are brothers and sisters of Christ, your children gathered here today. We ask your blessings upon the food and we ask your blessings also upon each one of us as we renew our commitment to you for the coming year through these commitment cards this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, if I can have your help. <laughs>